Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you just remain standing for the preaching and the reading of the Word of God here? This is Hebrews chapter 10, and this is where we were last time. We started the series called Courageous Faith. Look at your neighbor and say, Courageous Faith. We're going to begin at verse number 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward or great recompense of reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So this is what the Lord is saying. If we don't walk in faith, he is not very pleased with us. Would that be a clear interpretation of that? So put your finger there on verse number 38. Let's say this together. Now the just shall live by faith. Now here, here we go. Let's all do it together. Now the just shall live by faith. So this is not just a concept of faith. This is not a philosophical ascent to faith. This is a lifestyle of faith. So we're living a lifestyle of faith. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for bringing us here to, today and let your word come alive in my lips and my heart in all of our lives. We ask it, we pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, good to see you this morning. A father shared this account. He said, I was driving with my five-year-old son to McDonald's. And uh, as we were going, we saw a car accident, a wreck up ahead of us, and the police were working the, uh, they were working the site. And uh, so usually we pray when we see an accident like that, praying for the people who are involved, and uh, we try to teach our son the same thing. So I said to my son, uh, let's pray for those who are in this accident. And he said, I heard this prayer coming from the back seat. Oh, God. Please do not let those cars block the entrance to McDonald's. <laughs> he was praying the prayer of faith. And prayers take on a lot of different uh, aspects, don't they? I want to give you just four observations about courageous faith today. So if you have a pencil or paper, uh, you know, jot those down, put them on your iPad, your phone, or write them on the bottom of your shoe, whatever you do. Now, when we're talking about faith, we have to understand that faith is something that is real. Even though you can't see it, it's something that we are involved with every day. So when you live in an unstable world, you need to stand on a firm foundation and a sure word. I, I, I can't really uh, emphasize this enough. We live in a very unstable world. Used to, years ago, what happened on one part of the globe did not really affect the other side of the globe as much. But today, we are globally interlocked. This is a, a worldview, and certainly we have been going that direction. Uh, one of these days, we'll have a world economy even greater than we have today. We'll have a world currency even more than we have today. Uh, you say, well, Pastor, what are you doing? You're predicting the future? No, I'm just reading the Word of God, because this is where we're headed. So what happens in our world is shaky. What happens in our world is uncertain. But I'm not standing in the world, are you? I'm not standing on the things of the world. I'm not walking by the world. We're walking by faith. Now the just shall what? Live 
by faith. So even through this pandemic, we're still walking by faith. We're living by faith. We are moving forward by faith. So we're standing in an unstable world on a sure word and a firm foundation, and that is the revelation of who God is and what he said. So we believe in who he is. We also believe in what he said. Hebrews chapter 11, we go down to verse number 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him or please God, for he uh, who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we said this last time, faith is acting like it is so, so that when it is not so, it can be so because God said it was so. So I'm believing what God said, and hopefully you're believing what God said. So we're standing in an unstable world, in a wishy-washy culture, on a firm foundation and a sure word of God. So if I approach my world that way, if I approach my walk that way, then I will not have the uncertainty that a lot of people have around me. Uh, You know, through this time, I think you're aware of this, some people are on one side of the spectrum. Other people are on the other side of the spectrum. Now, I, you know, I, I respect both sides of those. I think we should be caution, uh, cautious. We should walk in caution, but we also have to walk in faith. And, and I refuse to walk in fear. Not to say that's going to exclude everything from my life, but I'm still going to walk in faith. And I'm encouraging you to walk in faith because that's what's going to get you through. It, it's not going to be coming from some kind of news conference, although those may be good, but it's going to become coming through a God conference. It's when you get on your knees and and you pray to God, you walk in his word, you believe what he said. So we're standing on this firm foundation. Now, here's the second observation that's very, very critical today. Our faith activates the unseen. Our faith activates the unseen because we know in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. Not seen or unseen. So he goes on to explain another verse or two. We understand that the worlds were formed or fashioned or framed by the word of God. As God began to spoke, he said this, let there be. Say that with me. Let there be. So something became from something that was not simply because God spoke it into existence. And so we have to watch our words We have to watch what we say because our words can become our reality. So therefore, we want to speak the right thing, believe the right thing, walk in the right thing because faith activates the unseen. I read this this week a missionary that had been in Africa years ago. His name was Vincent Donovan. He was a missionary among the Maasai uh, tribe. And there in Africa, he was translating or had a translation in Swahili, some of the Bible. And one of the words in Swahili that was translated was the word faith, which meant to agree with, to agree with. Now, now this is what the Maasai elder came to Mr. Donovan and said. He said, you know, that word's really not a good word for us in our culture. And he begins to tell the missionary that faith, according to what he understood in his culture, was like a lion hunting. This is such a great story. It really blessed me. Because he said, when a lion is going after its prey, he doesn't see it first. Usually what he senses first 
is smelling the prey and hearing the prey before he ever sees the prey. So he said, for us, in the Maasai, faith is like a lion hunting. You don't see it first, you hear it first, and you smell it first. Wow, that's pretty exciting. And through the, the sensing, through the hearing and the smelling, then you begin to pursue your prey. Is that making sense to you? You see, faith is like this. You don't see it first. The first thing you do is what? You sense it because you have the unction of the Holy Spirit, and you hear it because you heard it where? In the Word of God. And so once you hear it in the Word of God, and, and you begin to sense it in the Holy Spirit working in your life, then what do you do? You do like the lion. You begin to pursue what you're wanting. You begin to pursue the prey, even though you don't see it first. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? So we're like the lion. And maybe we learn that from the lion of the tribe of Judah. You see, faith activates the unseen. And then when that lion gets close to the prey, he lunges with everything he has, and he takes the power of his body, and he pulls it into himself to take hold of it. You see, that's what you ought to have to uh, really realize that faith is for you and for me. So when we see something that we need or we want, something that God's taking us to, we may not see it all of a sudden, but we're moving in that direction because we're sensing that. We heard it in the Word of God. This is possible. This is something we can have. This is something we can attain. This is a place we can go because faith activates the unseen. It's the substance of things so far, the evidence of things what? Not seen. See, faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. So when you think something is not possible, how many of you know with God, all things are possible? All things are possible. Now here's the third aspect of faith. We need to feed our faith and starve our fears. We need to feed our faith and starve our fears. So I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. So I'm just going to be very practical today. Uh, you, you may not shout with me, uh, say amen or clap your hands. I mean, that's always encouraging if you do. But how, how many of you know, we just got to get some basic things down about faith. Because a lot of people think faith is just a concept, it's just a philosophy. Folks, we got to walk in this every day. Because if we're going to receive the things that we need to receive, if we're going to achieve the things we need to achieve, if we're going to do the works of God that he wants us to, to have in our life and accomplish in our life, it's not going to be because you're good or you're holy or any of those things, and none of those things are, 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 are bad. It's because you embrace it by faith. Because without faith, what? It's impossible to please God. And if we're going to have the invisible things come to reality, we got to walk in faith. Now, we need to feed our faith, starve our fears. Philippians 4, so Paul is addressing the church at Philippi. So if I drop down to verse number 6, he begins to tell us, I believe, how to feed our faith and starve our fears. Are you ready for this? Verse 6, he says, don't be anxious and don't worry. Let me tell you what anxiety and worry does. It feeds your fear does not feed your faith. You, you begin to think about what if. 
What if this happened? What if this happens? What, what if they left? What if they stayed? Uh, what, what would happen with my children? What would happen with my health? What's going to happen with my job? You know what that does? That just feeds your fear. So we get anxious. We begin to worry. Then he says, tell God what you need. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. But tell God what you need. So don't take your energy. Don't take your, high, your time to worry and be anxious. Take your time and your energy to tell God what you need. Give your supplication to God. Give your request to God. You have not because you ask not. So pray, tell God what you need. Then verse 7, oh, this is so important. He said, guard your heart and guard your mind. Guard your heart, guard your mind. Verse 8, he says, now this is what you think on. This is what you think on. Whatever is true, whatever is noble and honest and just and pure, the things that are lovely and positive, he said, think on these things. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and this is a good question. Um, do, do, do you find yourself not watching the news as much as you used to? Anybody find themselves watching the news less? Now, I, I have always been a news watcher. I'd get up in the morning, turn the news on. Don't do that much anymore, unless it's the financial section. Not that I have a lot of great finances. I just kind of like to know what the price of oil is and different things because it affects our economy. So I, I kind of look at that, that part. But I don't watch the news as much as I used to watch the news. Because let me tell you why. The news feeds your fears. The news will feed your fears. And if you watch it a lot, it will just begin to inject and in, ingest inside of you uh, fear. Because they don't make their money on telling you good news. They make their money on telling you all the bad news. So if you are an avid news watcher, then you have to be careful that you are not feeding your fears. And let me go a little step further. Can I go a little bit deeper with this? How many of you will love me after I say this? Okay. I have a little issue sometimes. I better watch what I say. When a 25-year-old newscaster that has a journalism degree that has never done anything in their life telling me how life goes. I'm just telling you. I just have a little issue with that. Or when I hear stories like, you better not go out in the sun because you could get a sunburn. Let me tell you, I talk back to my television. And I say things like this. Really? Really? I just spent 30 minutes of my time listening to you tell me what any sixth grader should know? Really? So, two things now that watching the news does for you. It feeds your fear and it dumbs you down. Just saying. So, if you want to be informed, get your computer, read it, instead of hearing the commentary on the news. Because whoever gives you the commentary usually spins it to their direction. Now, they can do it in print, but it's not as evident sometimes in print as it is verbally.
Okay, that didn't cost you anything extra this morning. But this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's saying, listen, I'm going to show you how to feed your faith and starve your fears. Now, this is what he does not say. So we heard what he says. He does not say, worry, fret, and be anxious. Don't pray. Open your mind and your heart to feelings and emotions. Think on the negative. Think on the what ifs. He leaves all that out. And he says, listen, you ought to pray. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Think on these things. If there's any positive things, think on it and get the negative out of your life because it's going to feed your faith and it's going to what? Starve your fears. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, and it also comes by you and I meditating on what God said and the promises of God that are yea and amen. The promises of God are yea and amen. So what we want to do is we want to feed our faith and we want to starve our fears. Can I hear an amen? So feeding our faith and starving our fears lets us arrive at the objectives and the destinations where we want to go, which brings us to the fourth observation this morning. Because the fourth thing that we need to know is that don't let fear sabotage and dictate your future. Because if you feed your faith in Philippians 4, it brings us down to verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, listen, verse 13 comes after verse 6, 7, 8, 9. Oh, yeah, pastor, that's really smart. Okay, it comes after those things because, listen, when you starve your fears and you feed your faith by not worrying, not being anxious, thinking on the right things, putting out the negative, then you're able to say, now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if you're worrying and if you're anxious and you're feeding yourself with all of this fear, you're not able to get to verse number 13 to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because now we are in a whole different mindset than when we started. Now, number four, don't let fear sabotage and dictate your future. I want to take you all the way back to Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, we have the 12 spies sent by Moses by the command of God to spy out the promised land. So picture in your mind, they have selected representatives from the 12 tribes, and they're sending them out to Canaan to spy out the land. They have been in Egyptian bondage for over 400 years. God, by mighty hand, through plagues, signs, wonders, and miracles, has brought them out of Egypt. They have crossed through the Red Sea by God parting the sea. The manna has come down from heaven to feed them, Water comes out of the rock to water them. The quail blows in on the wind to give them meat. How many of you know they're living a supernatural life? Their shoes do not wear out. Their clothes do not wear out. They're shopping somewhere that I'm not shopping. They're living a supernatural life. Now God is saying, but yet there's more. How many of you know there's always more in God? You never get to the place where you say, I've arrived. Now, they could have said at this place, maybe we've arrived. We're out of bondage. 
We, we're, we're not into this land of, of Egypt where we've been slaves. We have shoes that don't wear out. We have clothes that don't wear out. God rains down our food. He brings water out of the rock. He's a supernatural God. We have arrived. And God says, oh, no. You never get to a place where I can't take you further. You never get to a place where I can't keep you in that place and then thrust you to another place. You never get to a place where I can't move you beyond where you are. Hey, that's the God we serve. Listen, church, you never get to the place where you don't stop improving. You you stop uh, gaining ground. No, you keep moving forward because that's what God does. We have an ever-increasing kingdom according to Isaiah. An ever-increasing kingdom, not a static kingdom, not a kingdom that is just there. Not a stagnant kingdom, but an ever-increasing kingdom. That, that's the kingdom you're in today. You are a child of God. We just sang about that. And you're in this kingdom of God that's an ever-increasing kingdom. So th- they couldn't say, we've arrived. Oh, yeah, great to be out of Egypt. Great not to be a slave. Great to have these kind of clothes. Great to have this kind of food. But God says, hey, there's more. There's a promised land over there for you. So spy it out. You know, anything that you're going to have, you usually spy it out before you get it. Today, I'm going to say, and I'm going to give you a random number, probably 90% of everyone who comes to a church today spies it out online before they arrive. It's true. They do it to our church. We're going to look and see what they're like before we go. We're going to see if they're pulling out the snakes before we arrive. So they're spying out the, line, the land, right? So here the 12 spies go. They, they go throughout the land, and, and they look, and they're observing. And that's what they're supposed to do. But what they observe is that this land is inhabited by a whole group of other people. And part of the people there are giants. The sons of Anak are there. Now, Anak is a tribe of giants that we believe is left over from some uh, things that happened in, in about chapter 6 of Genesis, and we won't go there, but anyway. So here, here the giants are. Now, giants live in big houses. They got big beds. Do you know the Bible even describes some of the beds of the giants, how big they are? I guess if you went to uh, the mattress store, and you saw a mattress that was over 10 feet long, you would say, somebody big sleeps in that bed. And the Bible even describes some of the beds of the giants. And they see the walled cities, and and they see these huge warriors and these these huge people, and, and they see the land and the fruit. Matter of fact, they bring back some of the grapes uh, from this trip. And when they arrive back, there's two reports, 12 spies, two reports. And one report says this, well, we've spied out the land. And it's exactly what God said. Well, sure, it's exactly what God said because God doesn't lie, right? He's not a man that he should lie. Uh, when he would swear, he could swear by no greater than himself because God's not a liar. And they said, it's exactly what God said. There, there is a land that is full of 
of fruit, a land that flows with milk and honey, which is kind of a Hebrewism that says it's, it's very abundant. There, there's so much resources there. There's wood there. There's water there. There's food there. There's vineyards there. There's fruit trees there. It is a land just like God said it was. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. However, here's the fly in the ointment. There are giants over there. There's walled cities over there. There, there are people there that are huge. And we are like grasshoppers in their sight. We're, we're insignificant. We're small. We're, we're not anything like we think we should be to take this land. We, we just can't do it. Uh, verse 30, because the two reports come from really a 10 to 2 ratio here. 10 of the spies are negative. Only two are positive. Their names are Joshua and Caleb. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. Um, Notice this, let us go up at once. Say that with me. Let us go up at once. What is that? That's a statement of faith. Let us go up at once. And here's the other, Um, we are not able Let us go up at once, faith, or let me just give you a little spin on this, or let's go back and wander in the wilderness for 40 years. We we can do this. Let's go right now. Because God said we could, right? It is what he said it was. So I believe who he is. I believe what he said. So I'm going to act in faith, or I'm going to act in fear and wander aimlessly for another 40 years in the wilderness. You see, I'm going to ask you a question here that I think is very relevant today. Who are you hanging out with? You hanging out with the fearful or the faithful? Who are you hanging out with? Have you ever had a check in your spirit when you're around people who are so negative that you just feel worse than when you arrived, when you leave? And all of a sudden, they're sharing how you can't do this and what you shouldn't do and you can accomplish this and we can't do this. And you leave and you feel like you're just drained. Your faith level now is just being drained. Let me say this. Who you hang out with is huge. It's huge. If you hang out in the negative, if you hang out in the fearful, it's not going to be good for you. You see, fear infects other people. You see, we're living in a time right now, it's all about infection, right? You got to watch. Don't, don't get too close to somebody. Stay six feet apart. Listen, I've been staying further apart than six pe- feet from people all my life. Y'all are so holy. There's some people I've been social distancing before the pandemic. Come on now. Because every time I get around them, you know what it is? It's always what's wrong, what's negative, how bad they are, how how much they hurt. And I'm not saying that we don't have issues and we don't hurt. But how many of you know, when, when you just hear that over and over and over and over, it can be infectious. And here we have 10 people, listen to me, 10 people infecting possibly three to six million people. 
We, we have 10 people infecting possibly 3 to 6 million other people. Why? Because of their negativity. Because of their fear. And just as fear can infect people, how many of you know faith can raise people up? So here we have two reports, one of fear, one of faith, and the one of fear causes them to wander for 40 years aimlessly in the wilderness. And when we're wandering aimlessly, we're not reaching our goals. We're not reaching where God wants us to go. We're not reaching our objectives. We're not reaching where God is sending us. So faith says, let's do this. Fear says we can't do this, and then it causes us just to wonder. And some people are still wondering, and this is not a story for antiquity. How many of you know it's a story for today? So we need to have goals. We need to have aspirations. We need to realize that we can take some ground. We can go some places, and it's not because we're so smart or strong. It's because God said we could, and we just believe him, and we move that direction. Can I hear an Amen. In the New Testament, there are two accounts of storms on the Sea of Galilee, two. The first one is when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. You remember? They're crossing the, the sea, and all of a sudden, a huge storm arises on the Sea of Galilee. And this storm is violent. It's so violent that they think they're going to lose their life. They think they're going to perish in the storm. And most of you know that Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. You talk about don't be anxious, don't worry. <laughs> in the middle of the storm, he's snoozing. He's truly full of humanity, but he's truly God. So here he is, he's sleeping in his humanity. He's tired, he's weary. He, he's been up, he's been praying, he's been feeding uh, thousands of people. He's been ministering, he's been walking, he's been traveling. So they're crossing the sea, he's in the back of the boat, he's asleep. The storm arises, they think they're going to go down, they think they're going to die. They go back to wake him up, don't you care that we're perishing? But he gets up. And I like to say this because I just like to say it. In his humanity, he's asleep, but in his deity, he walks to the bow of the ship. And he looks at the wind and the waves, and he says, peace be stilled. And all of a sudden, a calm comes across the Sea of Galilee. But here's the second storm. The second storm, Jesus is not with them in the boat. They're by themselves in the boat. The disciples are there, and he sends them across the Sea of Galilee while he's praying. So he sends them. They get into the boat. They're crossing the sea, and there again, a big storm hits. The winds are boisterous, it says. And they begin to row, and they're struggling, and they've told most of the night trying to get to the shore, and they hadn't got there yet. And all of a sudden, while they're tolling in the storm, and the wind's blowing, and they're exerting their energy, somebody is walking by their boat. Now, how weird is that? You're in the middle of the, the, the water. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're there in the middle of a storm, and all of a sudden, somebody comes walking by your boat. Now, it's bad enough to be fearful of the storm. Now they're fearful of this dude that's walking on the water going by the ship. And they think they see a ghost or a spirit. Now, you say, well, why did they feel that way? It's just Jesus. They had never seen anybody walk on water before. 
If you're out in the middle of Humphrey or Warica or Texoma or Eufaula and you see a dude walking on the water, your jaw's not dropping. You're not saying, what? And they think they see a ghost. They think they see a spirit. And Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. It's just me. And then Peter does something extraordinary. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, he said, Ask me, bid me come to you. And the Lord said, come. Now, Peter's doing something that nobody else has done except Jesus. The picture in your mind, Peter throws his leg over the side of that ship, takes his foot. I don't know if he did this. This is what I'd do. He'd go. <laughs> Hello. I'd be doing this. And he puts his other foot down. And he begins to walk to Jesus on the water. And there he is with Jesus on the water. But the storm is still raging. The wind is blowing. The waves are lapping. Obviously, probably around his ankles and his feet. Then when he began to look at the storm and the waves. He began to sink. And Jesus reaches out and takes him by the hand and lifts him back up to the top of the water. And they both walk to the ship and they get in the boat. Now, we, we've talked a lot about, well, how dare Peter just lose faith and start sinking? At least he got out of the boat. Nobody else got out of the boat. He's the only one who got out of the boat. So he exercised some kind of faith, right? So, so here he is. He's walking on the water with Jesus. They get into the boat, but Jesus never rebukes the storm. First account, what does he do? He goes to the bow of the ship. He rebukes the storm, and there's a calm that comes, and every bit of creation around him obeys what he says. But in this account, he doesn't calm the storm. Now listen, this is very, very important. Faith can move God to calm the storm. But faith can also calm you in the middle of the storm when it doesn't go away. Sometimes you're in the storm and God shows up and he takes care of the storm. And sometimes you're praying and guess what? God doesn't take care of the storm. But this is what he does. He holds you up above the storm in the middle of the storm until the storm ceases. So when you read this passage, he does not rebuke the storm, but the storm ceases on its own. You know what you and I can do? We can have so much faith when storms blow in your life and the enemy comes against you and he comes against me and this is what he does. I'm, gonna get up, I'm just going to give up with him because they're just going to remain in faith. They're going to stay afloat. They're going to keep going and they're going to wait for the next storm to come along. And sometimes he saves us from the storm, and sometimes he just keeps us in the middle of the storm. And on both of those accounts, you still got to have faith. Amen. You got to have faith for him to, to calm the storm and stop it, but you got to have faith to get through the storm, even when it doesn't stop. Because let me tell you, there are some storms God's going to come in, and you're going to say, this is the, the, the hand of God, and, and, and God stopped this from, for me. But there's going to be sometimes the storm doesn't stop. But you're going to get through it because God stilled you and not the storm. And you got through the storm. 
Hallelujah. And you may be there today. You, you may be there right now and say, oh God, there's a storm in my life. This is what God is saying. I'm not going to stop the storm, but I am going to hold you up in the middle of it, and you're going to get through this. You know, in America, we're in a storm. For some of you, financially, you're in a storm. Your job's in a storm. Your marriage's in a storm. Your life's in a storm. But let me assure you, God can either stop it or he can hold you up in the middle of it. And he may do one one time and one another time. So we have to realize that we don't want to sabotage our direction, our destination, our future because of lack of faith. Because we let fear creep in. We got to keep going. Can I hear an amen? One of the things I want to finish with today is something that I, I feel like is important for me. What kind of faith do I want? What kind of faith do you want? You know, our seniors graduating, fixing to go to college. Um, we have young people in college, you know, all over uh, the state of Oklahoma, other places. I want them to have a firm faith. I want you to have a firm faith uh, today, and part of the reasons that we have a firm faith is not just because of what we're doing, but sometimes we're standing on the shoulders of people who've gone before us. I'm, I'm thankful as Matt got up this morning to honor our military and our active servicemen and women and those who've served in the past, those who gave their life. Today, we're experiencing freedom because of what they did in the past and what they're doing right now. So I appreciate that. that. That's huge. But faith is also similar to that. You see, I, I appreciate those who've gone before me. And some of you wouldn't even know who they were if I said their names. If I said names like Mary Kaiser or if I said names like, you know, Ben Robertson or, or different ones. You, you know, for me, uh, I know who they are. But for you, you have no clue who they are. Some of you do. Or you have your names of people who went before you. It could have been a, a family member. It could be a grandmother or a grandfather or a mother or a dad. It, it could have been a pastor or a leader. And they helped you develop your faith. They, they can't give you their faith, but they helped you determine and, and fulfill and build up your faith. Can I hear an amen? So today we're walking in faith because some other people helped us in faith. And that's kind of Hebrews 11-ish, right? We, we talked about this last week. We talked about that list in Hebrews 11. Liars are in that list. There are murderers in that list. There are adulterers in that list. People who've been in prison in that list. There are prostitutes in that list. But they became the heroes of faith because they decided, this is not the way I'm going to live. I'm going to live by the Word of God, and I'm going to walk in faith. And there are people in your life that decided that too. And people in my life that decided that too. So I saw good examples just like Hebrews 11. Were they perfect? No. But did they try in faith? Yes. And today, we want to be those type of people. You see, I want to have the kind of faith that when I go to college, a nutty professor doesn't convince me that God did not create the heavens and the earth. That's the kind of faith I want to have. I want to have the kind of faith that my peers and my friends don't take me away from the foundation of the Word of God. If they're going to do that, let them do that. I hate it, but I'm going to have this kind of faith that I will not get off course. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. 
I want to have the kind of faith that still believes that God can fill a believer with the Holy Spirit supernaturally and affect our lives for eternity. That's the kind of faith I want to have. I don't want to have the kind of faith that some preacher who doesn't believe in the supernatural, the miracles, the signs and the wonders to influence me away from what the Word of God says. I want to have the kind of faith that believes the miraculous and the supernatural. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. I want to have the kind of faith that embraces the miracles of God and believe they have not ceased, not only in my life, but everybody else's life. That's the kind of faith I want you to have today. I want to have the kind of faith that believe God changes lives. He can change the addict. He can change the drug-addicted person, the alcoholic. I want to have the kind of faith that takes the wayward and puts them on the right path again. I want to have the kind of faith that says a prodigal can come home. That a son can get right, a daughter can get right, a parent can get right. That's the kind of faith that I want to live in. And that's the kind of faith I want you to have. Not some kind of churchy faith. Will I go, and if I walk down the aisle and I shook the preacher's hand, I'm in. I'm not against that, but God in heaven, there's got to be more than that kind of faith. I believe in saving faith. I believe we're saved by grace through faith. But that's just the beginning of the journey. That's just the first step in this wonderful journey with Almighty God. So I want to have that kind of faith, but I don't want that faith to stop there. I want to have the faith that continues on, that builds. I want to have the kind of faith that pursues the right and the holy, not that just, okay, I'm saved and I don't have to do anything else. No, listen, we're in pursuit. We're, we're, we're headed somewhere. Paul put it this way, we're pressing. Pressing where? To the mark, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus that's the kind of faith that I want to have. I think that's the kind of faith you want to have today. The kind of faith that presses and pursues. The kind of faith that picks me up by grace when I fall flat on my face. Have you ever fallen flat on your face? Oh boy, I have. You ever said something you wish you hadn't said? You ever said something and you went, let me get that back. Yeah. You ever done something you didn't want to do as a Christian, but you did it anyway? You ever tell God you'd never do something, but yet you still did it? You ever say, God, I'll never do that again, but yet you did it again? Sure. I have. I have. But I want to have the kind of faith that believes in grace. The kind of faith that God says, okay, let me pick you up and dust you off. Don't do that anymore. And you know what? Maybe he doesn't just dust you off. He may take his hand and just whack you right in the butt. So, Pastor, why would you say that? Because this is what the next chapter of Hebrews says. If you're a child of God, he will discipline you. Just like an earthly father will discipline his kid because he loves them, our heavenly father will discipline us. Not only will he dust us off, he will discipline us because he loves us. That's the kind of faith I want to have. 
And when he does discipline me, I have the kind of faith that I realize he doesn't hate me. He loves me. The kind of faith that when he does that, I realize he's not doing this for my destruction. He's doing that to disciple me, to be a better person. You see, I want to have the kind of faith that picks me up. I want to have the kind of faith that just takes the fear and presses it down. Because I don't want to walk in fear. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You see, I want to have courageous faith. And as long as we're here at Ray of Hope, we're going to keep building. We're going to keep pursuing. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep reaching. Not because we're some kind of denomination or some kind of religious organization, because that's what we should do. We should keep pressing, keep pursuing. We should be like a David at Ziklag that goes before Almighty God when his wife is gone and his kids are gone Everything he owns is gone and everybody around him wants to kill him because their wife is gone and their kids are gone and all, all their income is gone and their possessions are gone. And David goes before God and says, God, what should I do? I don't know what to do. Should I just accept this? Should, should I stay, you know, in this condition? Do, do, do I uh, just stay defeated? Should I stay in negativity? Should I stay in fear? What should I do? And as David tried to encourage himself, because there's nobody else to encourage him, he's there, and he feels alone. And he says, God, what should I do? And you know what God said? He said, pursue. Pursue. Now, I love this, and I'll end with this, because he said, pursue, because you're going to recover everything you lost. That's faith. You don't do that unless you believe what he just said. You don't do that unless you believe what he just said. Now, now here's the marvelous part of the story. Because these people who robbed David and all of his men and took their families and took their possessions and, and took everything that they had have been doing that for some time. Taking everybody else's too. And it's not just God's people. They, they, they've been raiding everybody else. But then all of a sudden when God says pursue, and David does, and David doesn't even know where they are. But you know what God does? He gives you little hints along the way. He gives you, he gives you a little word along the way. How many believe that's true? And so he gives him, he gives him some hints along the way. He finds an Egyptian slave that they had captured and and when he got sick, they, they threw him and discarded him. And David comes across him and he said, who are you? And he said, well, I was a slave to these people who robbed you, but I got sick and they just cast me aside. And David said, do you know where they are? And he said, I know where they are. And David said, show me where they are. And he did. And when David got there, not only did he recover everything that he had lost, he recovered everything that everybody else lost too. So when David left that battle, not only did he recover what he lost, he recovered more than what he lost. How many of you know God can do above and beyond and abundantly above and beyond what we can think or ask? What is that? 
That's pursuing in faith. Or he could have stayed at Ziklag and said, I'm afraid because if I go, they may kill me. You know what I found out? Everybody here is going to die. Unless Jesus comes quickly. Dad, some of the family, like your family, grew up in different times, in different ways. My mother was very conservative. She grew up in a family that uh, sometimes had a little bit of fear. And I don't know what it's like to go through the Great Depression, but your family did. And if you've gone through a time like that, you may be a little fearful of what could happen next. And so when dad would try to buy something or do something or, you know, launch out on something new, mother was always a little hesitant. She was afraid dad was going to lose everything he had. But here's dad's philosophy. And I kind of inherited a little bit of that. I didn't have anything when I began. So I didn't have anything to lose. Let me tell you something about you. Look at the person sitting next to you. Give them a good eye. Not the stink eye, just look at them. You know something about the person you're sitting by? They had no holiness. They had no righteousness. They had no grace. They had no salvation. Everything they had, that person right next to you, everything they had is a gift of God. Everything I have is a gift of God. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that gift that he gave me, and I'm just going to go forward by faith. And I'm going to pursue and go, and the Lord is going to help me do that. And he's going to help you do that too. Why don't you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.